politics is super important. But all of the good government in the world, all of the limited government, all of the conservative government, all of the fiscal responsibility and etc. that we could ever ask for will never be enough to save this country. The only thing that could ever stand any real chance at saving this country is if we, the people, return to our biblical foundation and return not just to fiscal conservatism, but social conservatism as well. information is manipulated and controlled. The truth is a stronghold in the culture war. Join Victor Nieves. Arm yourself with knowledge and take a deep dive. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining me once again. My name's Victor Nieves. This is the Deep Dive Podcast. And as you can tell, today we're going to be talking about social conservatism. Now, if you're interested in it and you'd like to hear more than what we cover in today's podcast, uh, this episode is actually largely inspired from the final chapter of my book titled Conservative Prudence. If you've not yet downloaded uh, your copy, or I should say purchased your copy of Conservative Prudence, be sure that you do so. It's available right now on Amazon, and I have, like I said, an entire chapter dedicated specifically uh, to this exact subject. But as you can tell, it's, it's my opinion that the United States, well, we have a lot of problems. I don't think anybody would disagree with me on that one. Even the, you know, the most radical liberals, the the crazy leftists, the Democrats, I don't think anybody would actually disagree with me on that core premise that the United States has an awful lot of problems. It doesn't matter if you look to our government, if you look to our culture, if you look to our entertainment, all you see is is insanity. You see stupidity. You see things that we could have never possibly imagined. I mean, just this last week, at the time of the recording of this podcast, we had the FAA shut down all air traffic in the United States, and they have yet to give an explanation. We've had, uh, you know, government regulators say that they're considering banning gas-powered stoves. We have, you know, children's hospitals that are giving minors hysterectomy surgeries, and we have them prescribing chemical castration drugs and, uh, you know, life-altering, body-destroying chemicals that they're pumping these kids full of. We have, you know, marriages falling apart in this country. We have homeless veterans on the street. I don't mean to be doom and gloom. I'm not trying to make it seem like it's the the end of times or Armageddon or something like that. But the truth is, our country is objectively, well, we're really screwed up right now. I don't think there's any denying that. And, you know, everybody in the world of politics will probably disagree with me when I say this. But there is no politician. There is no political philosophy. There is no form of government that will ever fix what's wrong with the United States. See, there's a lot of options. People bring forward a lot of uh, ideas. They'll say, well, if we just spent our money a little bit wiser, or if we just had another social program, if we just had universal health care or universal Medicaid or, or whatever their proposal is, whatever their you know political philosophy is, they always present themselves, almost always. These politicians and political thinkers, they present themselves as if they are America's savior. 
as if they've somehow figured it out. They're so much smarter than the rest of the world that, you know, they've, of course, discovered something and they're going to lead us to the promised land. Well, obviously, I don't I don't exactly buy into that. I don't believe them. The only thing I've said it before, I'll say it again until the day that I die, I'll continue to say the only thing that will actually save this country is a return to biblical principles, a return to our foundational biblical worldview. And if you happen to be saying, well, Victor, come on, I thought that the United States was was founded by a bunch of agnostic deists, rebel-rousing hoodlums that didn't believe in the Bible, that were not Christians, and etc. I would I would defer to our prior podcast about America being a Christian nation, America's very Christian, very overtly Christian uh, foundation, and etc. We have a whole podcast. I think it was it was one of our longer ones. And we posted it quite a while ago now, but you should be able to find that podcast all about the statistics of the history and the, the fact that America in culture, not necessarily in government, I'm not saying uh, that we have had some sort of a, a, a church and state merger where we have, you know, the government being ruled by the, the Christian church or anything, but we absolutely, in culture, not necessarily in government, but in culture, we have always based our worldview as a nation, as a collective, we viewed it, we've based it on the Christian view, the Christian worldview, biblical right and wrong. And what we're seeing right now, when we look around and we have this culture of depravity, degeneracy, and insanity, we've got hookup culture, we've got you know people abusing drugs, we've got everybody's trying to change their sex and their identity and everything like that. What that is all in reality, what what that all really is, is it's symptoms of a higher problem. It's symptoms of a much greater issue. And the issue is that America's soul, I don't mean to be too dramatic with this, but America's soul is dying. We are a nation that no longer has anything that, that resembles morality. It's like, you know, we've taken the traditional Western concept that you should, you know, uplift and celebrate virtue and condemn vice. It's like we've taken that principle and we've, in recent memory, we've flipped it on its head. Nowadays, rather than celebrating virtue, rather than lifting up the best among us and and celebrating our heroes and talking about how, you know, they've done such magnificent feats and they've conquered this and they've, you know, all of that stuff— we don't do that anymore. Now we give entire months to celebrate our sexual depravity. We, we give, you know, all of these holidays and every song, every TV show, every movie, all of popular culture and entertainment, it's all worshiping evil. It's like nowadays, you know, you're not somebody unless you've, you know, had 700 people you've slept with. If you're Cardi B, you've date raped people. If you're any of these, you know, super Hollywood the in-style crowd, these people that we're supposed to look up to, you're a degenerate piece of filth. And for the rest of us, right, those of us who have not yet completely lost touch on reality, those of us who still maintain a tiny little itty-bitty shred of morality, if we dare to call this out, if we dare to question the predominant culture in the United States, you're called a phobe, you're called some sort of a bigot, you're, you know, you're, you're made out as though you're the most awful man in the entire world, 
Meanwhile, if there's a guy who chops off his penis, he's magically, you know, a super bold, brave, honorable woman. In fact, he might actually win woman of the year. He might win a women's beauty pageant. He might become the fastest female swimmer in the world, and he'll be celebrated, but you... If you dare to say anything about it, you will inevitably be canceled. Now, obviously, the trajectory that we're on as a country is not sustainable. We all know that we're, we're heading in the wrong direction. If we continue to go this way, it's not going to, well, it's not going to end very well. The only hope for our country is a return to common sense. The only hope for our country is that moral and good people. Now, let me just real quick tangent here, real quick uh, rabbit trail if we have time. Nobody is perfect. Whenever I talk about this stuff, and I I talk about the the depravity and the evil that's plagued our culture, I I don't want to pretend that I'm somehow above that. I, I am a terrible, horrible sinner, just like everybody else. I just recognize it. I recognize that this path is not sustainable. I recognize, uh, you know, that I am a sinner saved by grace in desperate need of, you know, the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. I could never be good enough. None of us ever will be. But that doesn't mean that I, I stop striving to do good. That doesn't mean that I stop striving uh, to, to be as Christ-like as I possibly can. But when I talk about these subjects, I don't, I don't want anyone to put me up on some sort of a pedestal. Because if you think I'm perfect, trust me, you will be very, very disappointed. There will come a day where you think, oh, Victor, you talk about all of this degeneracy. You talk about all of this, you know, social depravity. And then there you are doing whatever it is. Listen, trust me, I, I promise I'll let you down someday. I am a human being. I try not to. That's not me saying that with pride. I'm not happy to say I'll let you down. But anyways, back to what we were talking about now that the uh, the rabbit trail is uh, is adequately addressed, I suppose. What we have to do is we, st- we have to stop allowing our country to become so godless, our culture to become so godless. The great hope of this nation is the great hope of Jesus Christ, that where... Where the word of God goes, freedom will always inevitably follow. In fact, an interesting historical study, if you have time for it, is if you look at the USSR, if you look at the spread of communism, totalitarianism, dictatorships all across the entire world, but specifically the USSR is a great example, they called it the Iron Curtain. Wherever big government tyrants happen to go, they they view Christianity, specifically Christianity, They view it as a threat, and so they always, always, always will do everything that they can to ban the Bible, to to ban Christian gatherings, or they'll regulate it. They'll tell Christians what they're allowed to do. You look uh, to example or to to uh, China, for example, another another concrete place we can look at. China has done the same thing for for years. There's been a lot of Christian persecution that's happened in China, and and we know for uh, for a fact that wherever the gospel goes, we see freedom. That's why these tyrannical, oppressive governments, they're always going to come out against Christianity. But listen, there, there is a spiritual battle, in my opinion, and you may disagree, but I believe that there is a spiritual battle being waged in the United States of America right now for the sake, well, for the soul of our nation, and for the sake of our nation, we absolutely have to win. I, th- I think what's happened for years and years and years is good people, decent people, as good as a person can be, I guess, good and decent people, people who want to uh, worship God and live their life as best as they possibly can, they've, they've kind of 
shied away from the fight. We've been so laissez-faire. We've been so hands-off. We've said, well, you know what? Who am I to tell you what you can and cannot do? Who am I to tell you how to live your life? I'll just, you know, if you want to go have an after-school Satan club or if you want to go have an an all-ages drag queen show, that's totally fine by me. Now, I'll just let you live your life. You let me live mine. And that basic approach has led so many of us to, to exit the fight. We've handed over the reins of culture. We've just given it to the, forces of e- to the forces of evil. When good people do nothing, I don't know what we could possibly hope to expect except for evil to capitalize. If we're going to sit there on the sidelines idly and do absolutely nothing, then, then yeah, absolutely, evil is going to capitalize. They do so every single time. Without fail, evil will always, you know, nature hates a vacuum. Nature hates a void. Something will always pop up. If we leave, if we let go of the reins, someone else will always show up to take control. So what does that mean for us, right? What what do we do going forward? Well, our country desperately needs you and I. Our, Our country desperately needs far more than you and I. It needs a return to Christ. And there has to be a revival in this country, a revival, frankly, the likes of which we've never seen before. And a lot of young conservatives, they're looking to the government, and I think that that's very foolish. They're looking to the government almost to establish some form of theocracy. They think, well, maybe, just maybe, we can combat all of the societal decay, the the cultural degeneracy. We can combat that by wielding the power of government. And listen, you probably could, and there is a certain amount of that that's absolutely appropriate, but a theocracy, an actual acting theocracy or rule by a a religious elite, that's not the answer. That's actually sort of one of the reasons that the great American experiment was started in the first place was you had severe religious persecution that came out of the unholy, and I mean that sincerely, the unholy marriage between the church and the state. You had uh, in England, You had the official Church of England and people who preached a theology counter to the official doctrine of the Church of England, they were burned as heretics. Our founding fathers had no interest in establishing a a, religious theocracy in the government, but they certainly were not interested in a society full of disgusting, sick, twisted, evil people. You know, I would wager to say, I I think this is a pretty safe bet, if you told our founding fathers what our country would eventually uh, regress into, you know, the, the left, they love to say we're progressing. This doesn't seem like progress to me. Well, if you were to tell our founding fathers what our country looked like today, if you were to explain the fact that we have children getting hysterectomies, all-age drag queen shows, you know, chemical castration, puberty blockers, and etc., they would be sick to their stomach. Never in a million years did they want liberty to be the, the excuse for debauchery, for degeneracy, for sick and and demented evil practices. That's not what they were into either. So there is a a legitimate place for socially conservative agendas to be pushed through government, but that should never be our number one vessel. The government is not a good boat. It's not a good vessel. It's not a good catalyst. Instead, rather than focusing on, on shoving our religious beliefs into the government, instead, we need to actually, oh, I don't know, live like Christ. <laughs> what a crazy and novel idea. Listen, I want to talk to the Christians and I want to talk to the church, uh, the capital C church 
here in this podcast because I think that the church has failed this country so terribly by being neutered out of fear of the federal government. See, churches in the U.S., enjoy a tax exemption status, meaning that all of the the tithes and offerings that come into the church, they're tax-free. They don't have to report that. Well, I guess they probably have to report it, but they don't have to pay taxes to the IRS. But that comes at a price. See, that tax exemption status isn't just a carte blanche, you know, stamp of approval by the federal government. The federal government requires them to file 501c3 tax exemption status, meaning that the church can't say anything that is deemed to be political. And because of that, you know, by the way, if they do, if they do say something that's deemed to be political, they they run the risk of losing their tax-exempt status. Now, a real quick rabbit trail that I have to mention is if you happen to be a pastor, don't allow yourself to be neutered by that. For one, God will provide. If you're going to be speaking and preaching on the Word of God, uh, don't neuter the Word of God. Don't censor the Word of God out of fear of the government, uh, but also very relevant is the fact that since the 501c3 tax exemption status uh, was invented, right, only one time in American history has the IRS ever revoked the tax-exempt status of a church, and that specific church took out like a full one-page advertisement against Bill Clinton in, I think it was the New York Times. So assuming that you don't go and rent out a full one-page advertisement making a direct political attack in the New York Times, you're probably going to be okay. But anyways, the church has allowed themselves to be so completely castrated and neutered that many Christians are no longer willing to actually speak the truth. We have this this weird. Um, I don't know. You know. I don't know the perfect way to describe it. But if you happen to be from uh, St. Louis, you may be familiar with Joy FM. It's a Christian radio uh, station. You may have heard of K Love. I think K Love is one of the massive Christian stations that plays all throughout the entire country. Well, the church has adopted this kind of a K-Love or Joy FM sort of attitude where Christians are always just supposed to talk about how loving everything is and that, you know, it's like they pretend that the Old Testament God isn't real, the same God that flooded the earth, the same God that blew up Sodom and Gomorrah, the same God uh, that turned Lot's wife into a pillar of salt because she disobeyed and looked behind her, uh, the same God that does have a wrath. It's like they pretend that that doesn't exist. It's like they pretend that evil isn't real and that God doesn't actually uh, have disdain and hate for evil. God, God does not like evil. He, he very clearly does not like evil. I mean, think back to the days of Noah before the flood. He literally said, I regret making you. <laughs> he looked upon the earth and he saw how sick and vile and evil it was. And he said, I regret making you. So when we look around our country, it sounds an awful lot like the days of Noah. It sounds an awful lot like the days, uh, you know, of Sodom and Gomorrah, where we just have evil and, and immorality running amok. And unfortunately, Christians forget that Christ flipped tables. Christians forget, and listen, I'm not advocating, we have to walk a fine line here. I'm not advocating for hellfire and brimstone and that Christians be ye super confrontational and obnoxious people, but there is a balance, a healthy spot in between. We've, we've totally lost sight 
of the fact that Christians should actually take a moral stance against evil. We should actually stand up and say, this is wrong because the Bible condemns it. This is right because this is what God's word tells us to do. It doesn't make you hateful to stand on the word. It makes you a Christian when you stand on the word and you try and live a Christ-like life. When you give your life to Christ, you accept him into your heart and you live on those principles. That's what Christians are called to do. That's what we're, that's what we're supposed to do. A perfect example of the way that we as Christians are supposed to kind of toe this balance, we should look to the life of Christ. And for example, uh, you know, we hear the story of the the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. She was drugged before Jesus by the Pharisees, and they were ready to stone her to death. And obviously Christ, you know, he he begins to write something in the dirt at his feet, and he says to all of the, the Pharisees and the muckety-mucks, he says, you who have not sinned, cast the first stone. So he wasn't out there casting stones. He wasn't out there you know, hellfire and brimstone and coming down with, with super wrath on those, those dirty sinners. But at the same time, people seem to forget before that story of, of Christ and the woman caught in the act of adultery, before that, that story came to an end, he went to that woman. He said, okay, now go and sin no more. It's like the church has forgotten about the last part of that story. We've forgotten to tell these people, hey, listen, I love you. I, I'm not going to hellfire and brimstone you. I'm not going to stone you to death in the church parking lot. But at the same time, we have to remember to say, go and sin no more. We need to have a return to Christ. If we don't, we can only expect more of the same. We can only expect more addiction, more more self-harm, more suicide, more depression, more anxiety, more cultural destruction, because we're living lives as a culture, not you and I in specific, but we as a, as a, as a community, as a culture, we're living lives that are in direct opposition to the word of God. And that's, that's a recipe for failure every single time. If we really want to save this country, we have to once again return to those biblical principles, and that doesn't happen through the, the, the vessel of government. It doesn't happen through the might of government. We're not going to strong-arm people into doing it. The way that we actually save this country is by, for one, making sure that our pastors have the cojones required to be a shepherd. We are in trying times. Being a pastor is, is not an easy occupation. You are a shepherd of a flock. And, you know, here's a real quick uh, throw-in. You know, when we look at the Bible, we see different examples of of shepherds. Uh, One person who was a shepherd was David. You know, David, who famously slayed Goliath, Well, David, before he slayed Goliath, while protecting his flock, uh, he had a lion enter in, and and the lion was going to kill his flock. You know what he did to the lion? He killed it. He also had a bear. Similar story. A bear came to kill his flock. You know what David did to the bear? He killed it. You know, I don't think that it's any coincidence that pastors are likened uh, to shepherds, that oftentimes we see this biblical uh, parallel between, you know, spiritual leaders and shepherds. Shepherds don't only cuddle their sheep. They don't only feed their sheep. There comes a time where they protect their sheep from the dangers of the outside world. And I'm not saying you go and kill people if you're a pastor. Lord knows that's not what I'm trying to say. But what I am saying is there comes a time where you have to fight back. There comes a time where you have to pick up that sling. There comes a time where you have to defend 
those people who are in your congregation. You have to defend your country from the evil and the insanity that's out there. So first and foremost, we need to ensure that our pastors are familiar with the contents of the Bible. We have to ensure that they have the moxie, the bravado, the cojones required to actually preach the Word of God. And then we, you and I as individuals, we have to do our very best, as difficult and as, as, you know, daunting of a task as this may be, we have to do our best to actually live godly lives. We have to do our best to, to emulate as best as we can the example set for us in the New Testament of the life of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. How did he handle things? Well, he handled things with tremendous love, But he also told people, hey, go and send no more. We need to have that approach when it comes to our country. We need to say, listen, we're living in in horrible times. Everybody knows this to be true. We're living in very sick, very twisted, very demented times. The answer is to turn to Christ. The answer isn't to turn to Donald Trump. The answer isn't to turn to Ted Cruz or Josh Hawley or any of these other politicians. They may be good people, but that's a Band-Aid on a bullet hole. The real solution for America is a spiritual revival and a return to Jesus Christ. Everything else... Everything else is just smoke and mirrors and band-aids on bullet holes. If we really want to save this country, the best way that we possibly can is by spreading the gospel and preaching the truth. Anyways, folks, that's uh, that's my podcast for the day. Hopefully you guys enjoyed me getting up on my, my somewhat religious uh, soapbox there. Until next time, keep me in your prayers. Keep your country in your prayers. Thank you for tuning in. God bless. Support Victor at thegoons.local.com today.